Hello and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. I am Chad Russell. As I say every week, in case you do not hear or know me every week, I am my co-host here with my good friend and uh, brother here. Are you my friend? Yes, I hope. I, <laughs> On my side of it, I hope you are my friend. Uh, Kurt Souter of Further Still Ministries. And we got together a few, it's going to be three years this fall, if you can believe that. It's be th- if, depending on when you hear this, but three years ago in 2015, I guess it was. Yeah, We got together and started this little show called Solid Steps Radio. And we just wanted to do a show that we're, we're gearing towards men, talking about stuff from a guy's perspective. Uh, not necessarily exclusively for men, but just that's who we wanted to reach because we feel like guys don't really hear a lot of things that they need to hear. We hear sports and politics and culture, but maybe we don't hear enough about the things that really matter into eternity. And we believe here at Solid Steps Radio that you were destined to walk with God through Jesus Christ. And that if you are not walking with God, you are not fulfilling your destiny as a man or woman, but okay, so there we go. Um, And speaking of all that very heavy stuff, if I were to ask you, listener, depending on where you are in your faith journey, whether you know this Bible really well or you've never even opened it up, but I bet you could answer this question within reason. If you could point to anywhere in the 66 books of the Bible when things went haywire for people, really didn't start going well. Things went downhill, in essence, if you would say. If you would say. Significantly. Significantly went downhill. What story, where would you point to? And I can almost hear you all thinking, well, Adam and Eve, right? They kind of screwed it up for all of us. Well, Genesis 3 is when things went bad. But I think that with that narrative has been muted. The full narrative of that chapter has been muted. And we're talking today about the whole picture of Genesis 3 and not just the bad stuff. So, you know, Chad, but before Genesis 3 comes Genesis 1 and 2. So we're gonna, I'm going to introduce my dear friend, uh, Eric Schonsberg. And, uh, you know, brother, um, no pressure, but out of the 50-some years that I have lived on the planet and have been in the... 50-some? Come 50-some. On. Well, uh, 54. Okay, okay 54. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm over in Africa... And uh, Eric taught on, uh, on in Genesis, and I go, that's the best teaching I've heard on Genesis chapter 3. Hmm. And so I go, you know what? We're going to bring Eric in, we're going to talk about Genesis 3. So brother, welcome to the show, Eric. Glad to be here. Man, it's great to have you back. Uh, and I was, as I was driving in this morning, I was like going, God, thanks so much, man. We get to talk about the Bible, we get to talk about your truth, and... Um, so uh, let's just jump right in. Genesis, uh, f- before we get to Genesis 3, uh, talk to us a little bit about the highlights of, of Genesis 1 and 2. Yeah, so we need, you know, the first, one of the first principles in Scripture is, is, to, uh, is to know context. And so the context of chapter 3 is chapters 1 and 2 and God's good creation. So we learn a lot about God. We learn that he's Elohim and Yahweh. We learn that he's cosmological. He's creating. Hold on. What are those two names again? Elohim and Yahweh. He's the creator God. He's the personal God. He's the God of the cosmos. He's the God of that, that walks with Adam and Eve. So he's a personal God and he's a creator God. And that's, that's very important. He's powerful, but he's also intimate. And I think right there, we, we miss the boat a lot of times. We, we see God as one or the other. We see God as intimate, but not powerful. Or we see God as powerful, but not intimate. But right from the beginning, uh, scripture lays out that God is is really both of those, and and, and also let me just uh, you know God God has mentioned He has n- uh, hundreds of names and characteristics throughout the scriptures. So it's, I mean it's just not uh, He has all these names because it because why 
Well, because he's a big God. And so the rest of Scripture will develop a lot more of that. But from the beginning, in the beginning, we're told that God has these two essential aspects of his, of his nature and his character. And so it's important for us to understand that as well. We all talk about God, but our sense of God can be you know, gr- grossly distorted. And, that, and that's why we need to, to study the scriptures, you know, from really A to Z, from Genesis to Revelation. Mm-hmm. Um, we also learn about man. I mean, we learn basic things about mankind as well. We're made out of dust and breath. So we're both earthly and heavenly. We're, uh, we're very common and yet we're very special. Uh, those things are important. We, we learn about the t- first two institutions in the Bible. Uh, a lot of people think it's marriage, but really work is the first thing that Adam is given. And so not work in the sense of, of job and career necessarily, but we're all put on this earth to do things. Ephesians 2.10 talks about we've been created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. And so God has put everyone on this earth to do, to do something. And we look at work, I think, as a post-fall institution. We look at it as something that's you know, cursed and on and on. And I can't, it's, it's I can't wait. I can't wait till I get to retirement because right. I don't have to work. But you're saying work. God built us to work. Yeah. And so we need to figure that out. So God wants to redeem your work. And so there's just huge principles in Genesis 1 and 2 that are at the heart of our faith. And so if you look at your own theology and your own approach to life, it needs to have a healthy dose of creation, fall, and redemption. And a lot of times people are heavily uh, for one or the other. It's all fall, there's no redemption. It's all creation, there's no fall. You know, And so we make these just vital mistakes because we don't understand God and ourselves and the world he's put us in. So what, um, and, and Genesis literally means what? Uh, the beginning. Beginning. I mean, and there's a lot of beginnings in the, the book of Genesis. There's the beginning of work, there's the beginning of marriage, mm-hmm. There's the beginning of having children, yeah, family, nations. Um, yeah, there's the begin, and then there's the beginning of uh, conversation mm-hmm. and dialogue, and uh, so. Um, so, anything else you want to add to Genesis no, one and two? I think uh, so, that's it. So, okay, that's good stuff. So, how, no, let's just jump into Genesis three because that's where we're going to spend the bulk of our time today. Um, launch us into Genesis three. I think the first thing, you know, the, the part we read is where Satan starts tempting Eve. And so there's a lot to say there, and we'll, we'll get to that. But I think the first thing that strikes me is just how, how Satan work, uses questions to do it. And so if you look at the first recorded words of the Scripture, it's, it's here in Genesis 3. Satan is tempting Eve using questions. And it's interesting as well that when God shows up a little later in chapter 3, and we have the first recorded words of God, uh, he's spoken before, but these are the first recorded words. His first words are also a question. When you look at the ministry of Jesus, Jesus asks, by my count, 301 questions in the Gospels. And so there's something about questions. And as a teacher, I find this really fascinating. I use Socratic method in the classroom and ask tons of questions. Questions do things that statements can't do. I like what Leon Cass says. He says, questions stir the soul. And I think there's a lot of truth to that, where a statement can stir the soul, but statements are just more, you know, kind of blunt force in your face. They can provoke you to think, but a question requires you to think. I mean, if you're going to engage a question at all, it gets you to think. It stirs the soul. And so stirring the soul can be for good or for ill. Satan shows up and he's stirring the soul 
uh, with not very good intent. And But God shows up and asks questions, and of course, his intents are really different. And I think there's just such powerful lessons in that. You know, we look to minister and evangelize and parent and teach and coach. We don't ask enough questions, and I just find that so convicting uh, that we, we want to make statements all the time. Those are nice and clean. Uh, those are, you know, we're in control of the dialogue when we're, when we're doing the talking. But a question, you know, Jesus was the master of dialogue, and he used a ton of questions. And so we need to learn from that and get better at asking questions. You know, uh, I, I heard you when you were teaching over in Africa, you know, the, the power of these questions, and especially, you know, with our kids, uh, just the, uh, the significance. And most of the time, uh, you, you made a comment about um, questions, uh, the, the purpose of questions. There's, the purpose of questions is to truly get information, mm-hmm. but many times it's, it's not just to get information. Right. And when God asks questions, he's not, he's not after information. Right. Not even Satan asks the questions. I mean, he knows the truth, and he's, he's trying to twist it using questions. God shows up and asks Adam, hey, what's going on? It's not like God doesn't know. You know, he asks, where are you? It's not a geographical question. It's not an informational question. It's a, <laughs> you know, it's an attempt to stir the soul. It's a chance for Adam to, to reflect, and wow, you know, it's a chance for repentance. It's a chance for lots of things, but the question does things that statements can't do, for both for good and for ill. And, and so, uh, you know, in, in this context, Satan is using the question to stir the soul for ill, um, but how, in, in, what, in, in what way? Well, by bringing in doubt. I mean, he's denying God's word at one point, but he opens with just doubt. He, he's trying to sow seeds of doubt. Did God really say, you know, will you really be judged? Is that really uh, you know what's going on here and and so he's calling into question god's goodness and god's word he's trying to get eve to doubt he's trying to deny god's judgment but it's all through questions mm, that's uh, that's uh, you know so powerful that if we can get a hold of that principle that the devil does it God the, God the Father, uh, Jesus, I mean, just loads, uh, loads of questions. I love it in, in the New Testament. Someone would come to ask Jesus a question, and what would he do? Ask another question. <laughs> he would ask a question <laughs> back. Uh, just um, amazing. We're, uh, we're going to continue to unpack this Genesis chapter 3, but we're going to take a break. So we'll take a break and come back, and we're going to talk through one chapter of the Bible and you're like, can you speak an hour on it? You could speak a a generation on one chapter of the Bible. And we're going to talk about Genesis 3 and and the fall of man and and, but also is there redemption in chapter 3 of Genesis? And did you ever see the redemption? Where where is the redemption in it? So we're going to talk more about that. We're going to take a break and be back shortly on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to our second segment of Solid Steps Radio. Thank you for listening. If you're listening on purpose, if you just joined us, uh, we would love for you to uh, hear us out. And uh, we are going to be having uh, four segments today. You just missed the first, but you can listen to those on our podcast and our Facebook page at Solid Steps Radio. Uh, We're talking about Genesis 3 3 and the fall of man. And, uh, 
if you have fallen into your finances and you really need to get your finances in order in regards to checking accounts and where's my money and all that stuff, that was a bad segue. Some are better than others. But uh, Ellen and Credit Union, they will not do you wrong. Uh, they are a wonderful uh, local institution financially. They want to help you in every way, whether it's small business, mortgages, uh, open up any accounts. Ellen and Federal Credit Union, they can help you with all your financial needs. And then we also want to thank Vision First Eye Care. Uh, they are a wonderful organization. Dr. Rollo and his crew, they've been around for decades now. They've been taking care of my eyes since I was a kid, and uh, they will take care of you as a person and not just your vision. So Vision First Eye Care, all kinds of Kentucky and locations. We want to thank both of those folks for sponsoring our show. So, Eric, in Genesis chapter 3, I never really looked at it for me for years. You don't look at this first recorded conversation. And it's, it's the devil, the serpent, coming to Eve and asking questions. And uh, I, I just find that fascinating. Uh, just, in, in, just for our listeners, wrap up um, what we talked about this last segment. So Satan asks questions. He's, he's stirring the soul like we talked about in the first part. And he, he injects doubt about God's word. Did God really say in verse 1? And then in verse 4, you will not surely die. So he denies God's judgment. Uh, and then he twists the truth. Your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. And so that's the nature of sin. God, uh, Satan is going to try to tell us about the benefits of sin and, and really not talk about the costs very much. Uh, we, all, we also see, you know, the three enemies we have are Satan, the world, and our sin nature. And all three of those are in play here in Genesis 3 as well, where Satan is using the things of the world and, uh, and appealing to sin nature uh, to try and get us to sin. And so we see that here early as well. You know, um, I'm reminded of what Steve Farrar said, uh, sin will take you farther than you wanted to go, uh, longer than you wanted to stay, and it will always, always cost you more than you wanted to pay. Yep. Um, and that's, the, uh, that's what uh, the enemy is, is, is just won't let Adam and Eve really come to, gr- t- come to grips with that. T- t- talk to us about um, now Eve's sin. Mm-hmm. So Eve's sin, I mean, first thing to note is that we have free will. I mean, God gives us free will. That's talked about here. The extent to which we have free will is an interesting question, uh, but clearly there's free will here. We have responsibility. We make choices. And so you, you think about that. I mean, I, you know, wh- why didn't God just put a big old f- you know, electric fence around this thing? Because that's clearly a dangerous tree. Um, you know, that's what I would have done. Well, they, well, they didn't have electricity back no, then. electricity. Yeah, good point. Ben Franklin <laughs> wasn't around yet. So, uh, okay, a moat. We could go with a moat and uh, uh, build a wall around it or something like that. Um, but he doesn't do that. God, God gives us choices so that we might glorify him. So we, you know, the, the flip side of, uh, of our freedoms are that we can use our freedom for, for good and for ill. And so we're not robots. We make choices. And uh, Eve, Eve makes an unfortunate choice here. If you look at the, the verbs in verse 6, she looked at it. That's not necessarily a problem. Uh, she took it. That's not good. Then she <laughs> ate it, right? And you think about what eating means. It represents ingesting and bringing it in. So, you know, taking God's stuff is a pretty bold, uh, bad move. Uh, you're, you're violating what will be the Eighth Commandment. Uh, you know, this is not good stuff. But then you actually ingest it. And so the, the, the picture we're given there is that Eve is, uh, you know, walking a lot further down the path. And then the last verb is that she gave some to Adam, uh, who okay. uh, was with her. So that's, again, the nature of sin. I mean, there's the, the four steps are you see it, uh, you take it, you, you eat it, 
and then you you pass it along to other people. Pass it along. <laughs> yeah, the I mean, I, I'm going to share my sin. <laughs> right. And so that's the way it usually goes. And so, you know, we want to stop that progression. You know, for those listening today, maybe you're at the you've already eaten. Well, it's time to back off. You know, and, and put the put the uh, fruit down and. Uh, go somewhere else. And, and we, you know, there's never a, a place, we'll talk later about redemption, but in the cycle of sin, you know, stop where you're at and, and back it up. Uh, and so, you know, it's not a problem seeing stuff necessarily. Uh, Eve sees the apple. She sees, you know, it's got some good traits. That's, that's the way sin is. It has attractive traits. We're not total morons. You know, I mean, sin looks pretty good. That's why we do it. But uh, we look at the benefits. We don't see the cost. Uh, and so we don't see it properly, uh, and then we take it, we eat it, and get ourselves in all kinds of trouble. Comment a little bit on on how long, you know, how, maybe, maybe. I mean, this is speculation, but uh, you know, how long she, you know, walked around the tree, and yeah. she, you know, saw the tree, and she, you know, she got a little closer to the tree. Talk about that. Yeah, we don't know. I mean, it, it could be that she was. This was the, her first time around the tree. That's possible. Uh, it's also possible she was kind of hanging around the tree, the forbidden fruit aspect of it. This is the one tree she's not supposed to go near. And what do we do with that? We start flirting with trees like that in our own lives. And so it's likely, I think, that Eve was kind of in the vicinity or curious about it and not sure what to do with it. That's probably not her first encounter with the, the serpent. Uh, she's probably uh, had some discussions with him. It's, it's possible these are first-time encounters. And sin can happen to us that way, too. But many times it's something that we've, we've seen, we've flirted with, we've looked at, and then we just kind of bumble into it. Uh, and so we, we don't know, but it, could, it could, could go either way. But my suspicions are that you know, she, was, she was probably flirting with the tree. For a while. For a while, yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, I've said for years, if Eve just wouldn't have blown it, I mean, not now. Now sin enters the world, and the rest of us have got to deal with her sin. And uh, and your comment would be, well, Adam was standing there. We already talked about this a little bit, but think through the implications of that. You know, it says in, in the, at the end of verse six that Adam she gives the fruit to who she gives the fruit to Adam who was with her, and he ate it. He was with her. He was standing in the vicinity, is what the text tells us. And so basically the guy is just standing there while this talking snake uh, <laughs> seduces his wife. And so the, you know, uh, it's not clear what, exactly what the sin of Adam is. I think we'll probably talk about that in the next segment. But clearly there's a sin here of omission that he is not stepping up and taking care of his business. You know, we would hope that Eve would say, time out, let me go talk to Adam or God. But Adam is standing there, and Adam does not intervene. And so this is the, the silence of Adam that Larry Crabb talks about. This is a sin of omission. And I think this is another powerful for, a lesson for us. We do focus on eating the fruit, uh, those kinds of sins in our lives and others, but we miss the vital sins of omission that cause tremendous devastation in our lives and the lives of other people. Yeah, because I think many times, talk to our listeners about, you know, the two major, the two categories of mm-hmm. sin. There's the sin of omission and the sin of commission. Yeah, sins of commission, you commit a sin. You, you hit someone in the head with a rock, you lie about something, you take something, you commit a sin, you yell at your kids too much, whatever. Uh, you commit sins, right? But sins of omission is the failure to do what you should do. And we're responsible for those as well. Uh, if you look at Ezekiel 34, the, the, the shepherds and the leaders of Israel are called on the carpet mostly for sins of omission, how they fail to shepherd their people properly. 
Uh, that's certainly Adam's sin here. He fails to step in. And I think especially for men, this is a big problem that, you know, we certainly have sins of commission, but we're also tempted to passivity, to kind of let life go by. When things get tough, we walk away. We don't have the courage to step into darkness and chaos. And like our Lord, in whose image we're created, uh, to speak and, and act in a way that, that transforms darkness and chaos into light, order, and beauty. That's what God does in Genesis 1 through his words. And the irony here is that Adam, through his lack of words, cr- takes the light, order, and beauty of Genesis 1 and 2 and turns it back into darkness and chaos. I, I think we underestimate the, the power of passivity and the, the incredible negative consequences. I'm, remember, I, I'm reminded of a couple that I've known for years, and um, he got really, really busy with work. And um, to make a long story short, she moved into an adulterous affair. And we thought the marriage was going to end. And he came to his senses and he went to his wife and he said, I have, I am so sorry. Will you forgive me? And basically, in essence, she said in response, you're not the one who committed adultery. He said, but I am the one that neglected you. Mm -hmm. And I'm the one that if I would have been loving you and cherishing you and honoring you, you wouldn't have gone to another man. We take vows to love, honor, and cherish. And if I fail to love, honor, and cherish, that is a profound sin. And so the adultery is the obvious sin. The failure to love, honor, and cherish is is also a profound sin and needs to be repented of. So it's wonderful to hear stories like that. It doesn't condone the adultery, but it is to say, look, look in the mirror. If you're not loving, honoring, and cherishing, you bear some responsibility. You bear Uh, a sin that needs to be dealt with. And sins of omission just are not, they're abstract. We don't see them. They're not in front of us. And so we tend to overlook them, but they cause tremendous damage. Yeah. And and I'm reminded of of when he did that, when he said, no, I am the one that has sinned. I mean, again, he wasn't condoning her behavior, but he says, it it was a beautiful thing. She she came back into his arms. Mm and forgave him and loved him and and now God's using them to do marriage mentoring and it's just a beautiful beautiful picture of uh, when a man steps up to the plate so we're going to take a break and come back in our third segment and talk more about Genesis 3 and more about the redemption aspect of it and how we've maybe been fed or by the culture by however we've received it we've received half of what the story of of what's going on in genesis 3 just a little bit of it but there's a much bigger picture actually it's actually a chapter of redemption and so we're going to talk more about that when we come back on solid steps radio Welcome back to our third segment of Solid Steps Radio. Thank you for listening. Our first two segments, if you did not hear them, you want to hear those in their entirety, you can go to a few different places. If you want to go to iTunes, if you want to go to soundcloud.com, or you can go to our Facebook page or go to Facebook and just type in Solid Steps Radio. And then we have all of our past shows, every one of them, uh, commercial-free thanks to great sponsors like Frank Brothers. If you were talking about Genesis 3 and the fall of man, and if your septic system is falling down on you, not working, <laughs> I was going to go in a different direction, but I'm just going to stick with this. Uh, you need to call Frank Enterprises. Frank 
If you have a hooey problem, yeah. you, need, you need help. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Thank you for doing that. Uh, Frank Enterprises, they take care of their, their brothers. Frank, they take care of all of, the, of your issues. If you've got water issues, whether it's their septic tank, land drainage, water's not going where it's supposed to, that's what they specialize in. Frank Enterprises, we want to thank them for sponsoring the show. And also Bright Star Home Care. Uh, if you have a loved one who needs some care, whether that is just in the entering the stages of dementia or physical limitations or maybe full-blown 24-7 care, Bright Star Home Care helps walk you through that journey of that process. And uh, they can that's what they do, and they do it well. So Bright Star Home Care and Frank Enterprises, thank those two for sponsoring our show. So Eric, we've been talking about and, and, and growing up in the church, I, I, always, you know, I always wanted to blame Eve. Like all these problems of life, we gotta, and uh, you're suggesting that. Um, well, we know it's Adam's fault. I mean, there's <laughs> there's one passage that alludes to, you know, points the finger at Eve. But it's if you look at the context, there's something else going on there. And then if you look at the bulk of Scripture, it's Adam every time that gets the blame. And who does God show up asking questions to? It's Adam. So we we can infer pretty confidently that Adam is the problem here. We know in, in verse 6 that he's standing around like a dope and not uh, intervening <laughs> with his wife. And when we talked about the anatomy of her sin, that she, she looked, she took, she ate, and she gave it to him. But he's, he's got the same problem. He listened to the serpent. He listened to his wife. He accepted the fruit. And then he ate. And I like what Larry Crabb says about this. He says, silence is not golden. It's deadly. Adam's silence was lethal. Uh, the other problem we, we know probably from Adam. Well, say that again. Yeah, silence yeah. is not golden; it's lethal. I mean, that's uh, it's. You know, and so we we, we have at, to we have to speak up. Yeah, as men, uh, you know, I, I we we have to communicate. We settle for being nice. You know, we think, oh, the guy doesn't say anything. Well, he's a nice guy. Yeah, but sometimes you got to talk. Sometimes you got to speak. Sometimes you got to intervene. It's not enough to be nice and polite. I mean, and just in application of that, you know, when we think about a, you know, a quiet man, he has to teach his kids. He has to train them. He has to equip. And if you don't, you're going to get more of the same, you know. So does quiet mean slow to speak, slow to anger? Okay, yeah, fine. You know, a man of few words. Okay, fine. But you got to be a man of some words and, and appropriate words. And you have to step into difficult circumstances. Anyone can handle easy stuff. I can handle easy people at work. I can handle easy students. I can handle my kids that are relatively easy. How do I handle difficult situations uh, in the power of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit? I've got to figure out how to speak and act in a way that uh, is useful, uh, bringing light, order, uh, light, order, and beauty into a world of darkness and chaos. And. And so many times then we do what Adam and Eve did. After, you know, we, we get passive. We either do the sin of omission and commission, and, and then, we, then we begin the blame game. Yeah, so we blame game. We, we start hiding, hiding from God. We, we put on fig leaves. I mean, all the things uh, that, that that represents, uh, you know, we just kind of, ah, I know I screwed up, so. Uh, uh, and then when God shows up asking questions or someone shows up, we start blaming other people. I mean, it's a hilarious passage in 11 through 13 <laughs> where, you know, God shows up and starts asking. And Adam goes, well, hey, the woman you put here, uh, she he's gave blaming, me some fruit. He's blaming God, isn't he? Yeah, he's blaming God and Eve. So he's going for the, the power move there. <laughs> Pretty sophisticated for a young man. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he's blaming everybody except himself. I mean, he, one thing that's really interesting in Scripture is to think through, okay, what? How could it have gone differently? You know, if this were me, 
or what would we hope Adam would say? And this ain't it. You know, this is uh, <laughs> something else. You know, you'd hope he'd say, man, I am so sorry. I can't believe I just goofed that up, God, you know, and just repentance. And, you know, Adam has that opportunity. When God shows up asking questions, Adam has this tremendous opportunity. God gives him space to repent and forgive and own the sin. And instead, Adam continues to go sideways here and just starts blaming other people. And then, and then, and he, and, 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 and then Eve. Hey, Eve does the same thing, you know. She oh, the she serpent, fought. you know. Yeah, <laughs> the serpent gave me, you know. It's like okay, and she kind of half owns it at the end. But come on, you know, you gotta, you gotta own your sin. And uh, the same lessons for us, you know. It's just so easy to blame other people. Well, my, my parents, you know, blah blah blah. My, I have this syndrome, you know. I have. Uh, there's all these excuses people have. And there's reasons and there's tendencies. Sure, okay, fine. But again, you got to look in the mirror. you got to own your sin. The good news starts with owning the bad news. And the bad news is you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. God is merciful and gracious with us. And here's the irony. God's grace covers everything. And the more we admit the sin, understand our sin, the greater God's grace is. When we make excuses when we don't own it, when we don't understand the depth of our sin, God's grace is not really as impressive. But when we understand sins of omission, we understand that we're judged for our imperfect motives and thoughts and words and deeds, God's grace is that more amazing. Yeah, I, I'm reminded of uh, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and, and just. He'll do the right thing. He, he forgives us our sins and cleanses us from all, all, all our unrighteousness. And then uh, I'm reminded of what Proverbs says, you know, when we, when we confess and renounce our sin, we find mercy. But the enemy doesn't want us to believe that. Right. And it messes up our relationship with God. It messes up our relationship with each other, you know. And so uh, it puts distance between Adam and Eve. Uh, it, it puts distance between them and creation. It just messes everything up. I mean, and that's what sin does. So sin occurs, but then what do you do with it? You know, we all fall. Okay, big deal. Uh, you know, uh, what's, what's next? And, and the what's next needs to be ownership and repentance and restitution at times. But if you find yourself making excuses, uh, you're going the wrong path. You're, get off that path, quit the sin, quit making excuses, turn to God, repent, do restitution, make things right. Um, just, just real quickly, talk to us guys about how, okay, how can we make it right? Well, I think it starts with apology. You know, I, I do a lot of stupid stuff at home, and and uh, but I, I think I've modeled for my kids well that I'm I'm going to apologize. You know, if I have a harsh word or I, I overstate something or I exaggerate, you know, it's just so easy to make verbal mistakes. You know, particularly with with uh, kids in the heat of the moment, and I just you know, as best I can, I commit to apologizing to my kids when I've made a mistake. And so I think that that's not just kids, that's, that's life. You know, if I jack something up with a student or I, or I uh, fail in a, a committee assignment or I, I just drop the ball on something, you know, I'm going to uh, commit to trying to apologize and make it right as best I can. Why do we as men struggle to just own it? I don't think it's just a man problem, but, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I just think it's pride. It's uh, we, we lie to ourselves. It's not that bad. I, you know, I, oh, well, you know, it's my it's my parents fault. You know, we just come up with reasons. Uh, 
you know, I like what Lewis says, C.S. Lewis says, where he says, basically, we give ourselves every excuse in the book. We're quick to judge other people, but with ourselves, we're just so lenient. And really, it ought to be the other way. We ought to be looking for lenience and second chances and uh, you know, uh, reasonable doubt for why others commit sin, but on ourselves, we need to be uh, a lot rougher. So, so now he, we move into the passage now of, of some significant consequences. Yep. T- talk about that. Well, it, it's interesting that God presses the issue. And again, I think there's something there for parenting. You know, he asks the questions. The answers are not, not impressive. You know, you think about your kids, right? I mean, you catch your kids in something. You, you follow this model. You're asking questions. You're hoping for repentance. And instead, they double down with a lie or they evade blame. And you're like, okay. And, and at some point, you just kind of cut your losses. You gave them that opportunity. It's not really going anywhere. And at some point, you move on to kind of the judgment phase. And that's where God gets with them. You know, he gives them the opportunity. They don't really own very much of it. And then it's like he just goes, okay, that's enough of that. You know, enough of the questioning phase. Let's just move to the the punchline. And the punchline uh, starts with curses for the ground and the devil and punishments for Eve and, and for Adam. Uh, so that's an important distinction. First of all, the, the scriptures talk about curses for the devil and the ground, uh, but punishments, not, not curses for us, not curses for Adam and Eve, but merely punishments. And so there, you know, pregnancy gets more painful, work becomes more painful. Uh, those aren't curses, they're consequences, uh, they're, they're uh, punishments, they're disciplines, uh, but they're not curses. That's a very powerful word in the scripture, and we're not cursed uh, by the sin. Uh, there's discipline and uh, consequences of the sin, and that's what Adam and Eve face as a result of what they do. And, and then, you know, we're going to unpack that, uh, how God overcomes all of that in the next segment. So we'll take a break, come back for our final segment on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to our fourth and final segment. Uh, it just time flies when you're having fun. And uh, we want to thank sponsors of our show. Again, uh, we want to thank Ellen and Credit Union, uh, a wonderful organization here, local lenders who have helped uh, so many people and their financial needs. And also we want to welcome uh, a no, new sponsor for our show. Uh, we want to th- welcome Beside You for Life, formerly known as a Woman's Choice Resource Center and Nicole's Place. Those two wonderful organizations have now come under one roof, which is really a great thing. And uh, we are very excited to know that uh, they are uh, still sponsoring our show, but still out there doing God's work for women who are in pregnancy, uh, crisis situations, and uh, need some help. And they're having a gala uh, on, uh, where is it here? Uh, 6 p.m. October the 2nd. 6 p.m. October 2nd at the Omni Hotel. So um, go beside you for life.org and you can look for more information on that. So, Eric, it, we got the, the, the serious consequences of, of what happens when Adam and Eve blow it. And, and we have suffered. The, all of mankind has suffered because of this. You know, I think we underestimate the power of sin when it entered the world. Yeah, and, and, and so the sin and the consequences, but even in the midst of that, God is still already working out redemption. So if you look at verses 16 through 19, I think there's a half dozen references to uh, the ministry and the work and the life of Christ in there. But it's very clear in verse 15, a fairly famous verse, that here in the midst of 
of sin and the, and the first sin and the first devastation of sin, God's already promising Jesus as the remedy for that sin. Verse 15 says uh, at the end of it uh, that uh, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between your seed and her seed and, and uh, it shall bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. And there's a reference there to what's going to happen at the cross with Satan and Christ, that there's going to be a bruising of the heel, but there's going to be a crushing of the head. And uh, that's what happens at the cross. Uh, and so already Jesus is being talked about here in, in chapter 3, verse 15, and, and God's ultimate good news. God's going to extend grace all the way through the Old Testament, but that grace is manifested ultimately in the person, the life, the ministry, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who will come uh, you know, a, a little bit after this. But God's grace is already evident here in Genesis 3. And he also does something very practical. Um, and, and he does, and, and, he, and he has to, uh, there has to be some significant cost. Yeah, so the fig leaves are replaced uh, in verse 21, I think it is, uh, where God, uh, you know, kills an animal, puts the skins on them. And just think about how sobering this would be for Adam. I mean, he's just spent time naming the animals, He's friends with the animals, uh, and all of a sudden, there's a dead animal hanging off his shoulders. And just how gross and disgusting and foreign and bizarre and sobering that would have been. And God's saying, look, your fig leaves are not enough. Your fig leaves don't cover much. Uh, your animal skin, the animal skins, and me, you know, killing an animal, sacrificing a blood sacrifice on your behalf, graciously on your behalf, is, is how we're going to deal with this. And again, that's ultimately a prefiguring of what Jesus will do. I mean, we value animals, but really what, what uh, you know, the priority here is in, the, in, in God's eyes is, is what? Well, re- repentance and, and getting right and paying for sin. And uh, right the, relationship with God. Yeah, the, the value that he has for mankind and, and uh, we are the crown of his creation, Scripture teaches. Um, to talk to us about uh, the, um, how God continues to redeem. Uh, today or, or in this? In the, well, in this passage yeah. and, and today. Well, I think the other thing that's interesting, we don't think about him kicking them out of the garden as, as redemption and grace, but really it is. I mean, you know, they are in a state where they're in sin and if they had access to the tree of life, they would continue to live forever in that state. And God doesn't want that to happen. That's not what's best for them. So he's going to provide another mechanism, again, ultimately Jesus, that we leave this sinful life and move on to something else. And so uh, even there, uh, there's grace and redemption. It's not something Adam deserves. Adam and Eve deserve death. And, and yet God uh, provides for them uh, physically, spiritually, uh, he, he takes away eternal life uh, temporarily uh, and so, so that the sin can be dealt with and so they can be made whole ultimately in, in eternity with him. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, back when Satan is, the serpent is talking to Eve and he says, you shall not surely die. And it's really interesting, you know, Adam and Eve sin and they don't die physically right away. Right away. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to take a while. It's going to take a while. Um, and that's again how sin works. But then God, um, God comes with. Uh, he's a redeeming God. Yep. I, you know, I was I, I listened to uh, a, a, a preacher a while back, and he said if you had to describe what God is up to around the world, and you had to describe it with one word, 
what would you and I was I was thinking about that what would what word and he said redeeming that God is redeeming all things yep. that's it, so powerful because you have again back to creation fall redemption some of us have a sense of God or we're raised in churches where we're good on creation and fall but we don't understand the redemption part uh, we, maybe we get the salvation part okay okay God saved me I really appreciate that uh, hey and then God we in essence think God is saying to us Okay, look, you you just stay out of trouble. Go sit on that shelf, and then I'm gonna I'll get you into heaven. We'll put a barcode on your butt. We'll scan you into heaven, and then you know we'll we'll take care of things in eternity. And that's not God's plan for you. God's plan for you is to be saved and then to be used for great things on this earth. That is part of that plan, and so we miss that. We miss the redemption piece. And when you sell that short, you don't understand God. You are missing a vital part. I, I would th- agree with that. The most important part of what God has in store for us. It's not salvation for salvation's sake. That's a big part of it. But it's salvation for redemption is what God's about. God is a a God of redemption. And if we miss that, we just miss uh, the heart of the gospel or a big part of the gospel anyway. And his message is throughout throughout the, the scriptures is that he wants to use us in this redeeming process, yep. which is uh, unbelievable. Yep. I mean, here we are, we're prone to sin, we're prone to wander, we're prone to, him says, we're prone to leave the God that we love, and yet God says to us, I have redeemed you, I have purchased you, you are now mine, the blood of Jesus has covered your sin and removed your sin, mm-hmm. and so now I want you, I, I want you to be an instrument of righteousness to others. Yeah, so as we leave Genesis 3, you know, we we understand we have a really strong sense of where God is going with things, especially if we read carefully. But we also feel better about Adam. And one of the little things that gets overlooked here is when Adam, re- Adam names his wife, I and mean, we call her Eve all the time, but she doesn't officially get her name until verse 20. And Adam is the one who names her, and he calls her Eve, which means life or mother of the living. And I often think, you know, wow, he had a lot of options here. You know, if I were Adam, <laughs> could I call her Rebecca. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I would call her the one who loves apples or something like that, you know, or something just to be a jerk about it. Um, but he doesn't do that. And you think about the optimism that Adam gets it. You know, he's already looking forward to children. He's looking forward to the next step. It's like he understands redemption and God's plan for him and the optimism of going forward, as rough as this chapter is, it's a beautiful moment for Adam and all the struggles and sins and his failure to speak. His his ability to speak right here is amazing, and I think it gives us hope, uh, not just in seeing God's plan, but that Adam is okay. Big knucklehead here most of the chapter, but man, this is a nice a nice wrap-up for Adam to finish up things. It gives us hope. You know, um, bro, We got, uh, this hour has flown by, but I, I love that. I'm gonna, we're going to end on that. We, God is a God of hope. Because of Jesus Christ, because the hope of the gospel, we can have hope. Um, bro, would you uh, just close us in prayer? Would you pray that we would not have the silence of Adam and yeah. we, that we would walk and we're not going to do it perfectly, but we would walk closely with Jesus, uh, the redeeming God. Yep. God, we thank you for this uh, moment, every moment you give us. We thank you f- that you're a God of creation, but you're also the personal God. We thank you that uh, despite our sins of omission and commission, the things we do, the things we fail to do, that you're gracious with us. You want us to come to you in repentance, to confess sins. Uh, but you are, re- you are so gracious with us, Lord. 
Uh, we pray that we would uh, accept that grace and we would extend that grace to others mm. as we walk in daily life. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, bro. Thanks for coming in. Glad to be here. So Genesis 3 is not just about a screw-up. It's also about redemption. And uh, I guess I would ask you and me and all of us, where does your story begin? Does it begin in Genesis 3 or does it begin in Genesis 1, 2, and 3? And then God's redemption in us. So uh, we want to thank you for listening. We also want to thank, again, our sponsor. I forgot to mention in the last segment, uh, Dan Hart Financial. Dan Hart is a great uh, financial advisor who wants you to take a biblical, wise perspective on your money and your retirement. And uh, we also want to thank Beside You for Life as a new sponsor. And uh, also, we have an upcoming event coming on September the 24th. 25th. 25th. That's a Tuesday at 6 p.m. Put it on your calendar now. More information as it goes. It is a thank you for the listeners. It's a free event. We're going to feed you, and we're going to uh, do a live taping of a show on that night. So we got we got Mark's feed store. We got a great opportunity for our listeners. Yeah. So hopefully you can join us on night September the twenty sixth, twenty fifth. I'll get that right. <laughs> September the twenty fifth, because I'll be there <laughs> at six p.m. More information on our Facebook page and for uh, days to come. Thank you for listening to Solid Steps Radio.